It's, uh, it's my pleasure to introduce to you someone that I look up to so much. Um, Brother Moore actually was, was one that, that helped appoint us here as pastors. He was our district superintendent at the time. At the time, Brother Moore oversaw 1,100-plus, uh, 1,200-plus ministers in the state of Arkansas and 400-plus churches. I think those numbers are somewhat right in the state of Arkansas for a while. He sat on the official board of Believers Fellowship as one of our, because he was our district superintendent, he was one of our board members. And um, he, I can't tell you how valuable it is to me to say that, that he has uh, invested in this ministry. He's poured into Katie and I. He's believed in us. Um, he took a chance on us putting us here. And, and he's just, we just love you so much, Brother Moore, and we're so appreciative. If you, thank you, thank you, yeah. Um, many of you probably heard Brother Moore preach before, but if you haven't, you're in for a blessing tonight because he is a master craftsman in the pulpit and a wordsmith and, uh, and just a preacher of preachers. And we're excited to have you here. So, Brother Moore, would you come and preach for us and bring us the word? Lord, well, you know, I, I don't know doctrinally how this will float or fly because I don't think we believe in cloning. Uh, but if we did, I'd like to clone this couple right here. <laughs> Matter of fact, we may stretch our doctrine a little bit. I don't know <laughs> because they have done such a well, where they were, they were doing a good job. And that that ministry is still moving on. I think they've had some changes there, but they're, they're just, some people are just going to do a good job wherever they are. And I'm telling you, these fine friends have been such an inspiration to me. I'm telling you, they have lit this place up. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And, uh, you know, there are so many things facing the church world today that we desperately need people like your pastor. And it, and you got you got a two for <laughs> you got two for one. It, I, I, how you like the way I taught her to play that thing? I, I, <laughs> I'm telling you, there are many many churches that would really really like to have them as pastors. So y'all, I know you are treating them good, but you better uh, because there's plenty of others that would <laughs> that Seth and Katie would be more than um, they could get voted in real easy. <laughs> And on top of that, if you're not good to them, I'll just kill you and tell God you died. How's that? <laughs> uh, praise the Lord for having me come and, and share with you. Thank you for having the courage to have church. <laughs> uh, and to have it on a Sunday night. You are the pure in heart or you would not be here. So uh, I just am so glad you came and I'm glad that the move of the Lord is, you can sense the move of the Spirit here. And you know what? That's something to appreciate because not every church I go to, uh, well, I won't go there. But anyway, thank God you got something going and praise God for that. But we should never take that for granted. We should always be grateful for the Holy Spirit's visitation and uplift. And I, you've already been lifted up. And uh, all I can say then that, uh, that you heard enough this morning that... Uh, He's already told you more than I know, so let's just stand and be dismissed. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Brother Kenny's one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. And I wouldn't have said that if I hadn't really meant it. You know, I don't lie in the pulpit. 
Now, if I get off over here, it might get, I might get evangelistic, but, <laughs> but Brother Kenny and, and his, well, the family has been such a key part of our family. And I'm so proud of you, this church. I, well, I guess I'm supposed to say I'm so grateful. I got rebuked for saying proud the other day for something. But at any rate, I'm grateful for the great job you've done. Three years? Is it about th three years? What, I think you've done marvelous. I think you'll just give yourself a hand, praise the Lord, and say, thank God for what the Lord has done. And, and if you think I'm kidding you, I'm not, because there are churches that closed up for COVID and never reopened. And there were many churches, several churches that I know of personally today that had to go online only because of the dirty devil and all that he's doing. So thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. And I'd like for you to turn to 1 Peter, if you will. I would like to read uh, verse 6 and 7, and then we'll scoot down to 13 through 25. That's a lot of Scripture, but I feel like I need to read it all for uh, to be the backdrop for what I would like to say, which probably I'm really not going to tell you something you don't know, but I do believe that the Holy Spirit can revive what we already know and encourage us because the church is so essential right now. It always has been. But now more than ever. I'll be reading from the King James Version. Not because I believe that one is better than uh, you know the one that Paul used. But um, actually, my wife Judy bought me this Bible for my birthday. <laughs> but the most important thing is it's large print. <laughs> And if you don't get that uh, bucko just hang in there, you'll, you have enough birthdays, you'll appreciate that. <laughs> this is a wonderful church, Pastor. you got a lot of smiling people, praise the Lord. And if you can smile today with all that's going on right now, the devil ain't got a prayer against you. I'm telling you, you I, th I think y'all are making the devil nervous. That's what I think, praise the Lord. I want to share with you, though, something that... Uh, not just for the church, but as a corporate entity or, or as the, the church. But you are the church. And this building, of course, is a house of God and it's dedicated to Him and is not used for anything else, but you are the church. And so the church is under attack. And that means that you're under attack. And that's what Peter was writing about in verse 6 of chapter 1 of the first epistle that he wrote when he said, wherein you great... It's kind of a, an oxymoron. It's kind of juxtaposition here what he says. You greatly rejoice, though for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. So rejoicing and going through a trial is kind of uh, something supernatural. What he says that, here's the key, the trial of your faith. How many of you believe that our faith is on trial today as the church and as the believer? That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be, worth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under prayer. Get that might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Christ. 
Me, I'll just be real glad for a well done, thou good and faithful servant. But he said it can even be ratcheted up to praise and honor and glory. Now that's, that's a hyperbole when that comes from God. <laughs> then if you will skip down to verse 13. And we continue reading through the end of the chapter. Thank God for His Word. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former loss of your ignorance, but as He which has called you is holy, be ye holy in all manner of lifestyle or conversation. Because as it is written, and this is God. Speaking, be ye holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourner, you're a sojourner here, pass it in fear, because you know, you know something. You know you were redeemed with corruptible, not re, with, you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but you've been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, and that your faith and hope might be in God. Praise God. <laughs> Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all of the flesh is as like grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of that grass. The grass withers, and the flowers Thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. <laughs> and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Could you say praise the Lord for the word of God? I don't really want to waste any of your time trying to prove to you that the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ in you is being tried. It is the devil's goal to destroy this church. It is the devil's goal to destroy every child of God. His job description is pretty clear. He has come to rob and to kill and to destroy. I don't think I need to spend a lot of time telling you that our nation, uh, the church, in even our nation, is being tried as of by fire. You know, uh, I never thought I would see. Now, I, you know, I tell them all the time, I've been AAA all my life. I've been uh, Assembly of God and Arkansan and an American. <laughs> and I'm proud of all three of those. As a matter of fact, I was Assembly of God about nine months before, before I discovered America. Uh, some of you will figure that out after a while. But <laughs> and, so, and, so, and, so, and so, you know, I, it, it just floors me some of the things that, the church is being put upon by our own government and, of course, the mass media. And you know yourself in the last two years or more, almost everything that comes up, the word that is used to describe it is unprecedented. 
It's never been like this before. Now, I'm not near as old as I look. I've just been road hard and put up wet several times. But I, but I can tell you that I have never in all of my born put together seen such an attack, such an onslaught, such a relentless, not even take a breath attack of the devil to try to destroy or, 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 or to take down you and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, most of the time I can tell you he's not going to try to get you to rob a bank or uh, murder somebody or, uh, you know, become a, a dope seller. But he will try to knock the top off of your joy, which is your strength in the Lord, and, and take you down until you're weak and until he can destroy your faith. How many of you would agree with me that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is under attack today? Like never before. I believe part of it is because the devil realizes that he's running out of time. But part of it is that the Bible says in the last days, people would just wax worse and worse. Get meaner and meaner. I mean, I, whenever I was growing up, I was so sheltered, I didn't even know a real mean person. I mean, I didn't know anybody that had killed somebody or anything like that. But have you ever seen such a time when there's so much hate? And, and so much, many, so many people, mean people getting meaner all the time. And the devil would like to slow you down in faith. As a matter of fact, the devil would like to destroy your faith. But what Peter is saying, are you tracking with me? What Peter is saying, that ought not to shock and awe you. That, that ought to be something that you're kind of aware is on the schedule. That Satan is out to rob, kill, and destroy you. He'd love to kill your pastors. He'd love to destroy this church. He'd love to shut it down. As a matter of fact, he's shut several of them down already, and, and he's having a field day with it. <laughs> and every way you turn, not, not only is there a pandemic and crazy stuff politically and all this other stuff, all the normal bad stuff that goes on in life still goes right on. It, it hadn't stopped because there's a pandemic going on. But I like what Peter says. He said, you ought not to think it's all out of kelter when the devil hammers on you so hard and tries your faith because it is the will of God. I hang on to this. I believe with all my heart it is the will of God that the church and the people of the church that comprise the church live triumphant lives even in the trying times. Do you believe that is the Word of God? The church should, if the church ever needed to be triumphant before the world today, oh honey, it's right now, I'm telling you. <laughs> and you know me, I hope you know me well enough to know that I'm a strong believer in the gifts and the moving of the Spirit and the miraculous. But I've even seen nowadays where the devil has used unscrupulous people to manufacture a problem. Of some of these, and they're not all on the media. <laughs> they manufacture a problem, and then they manufacture an answer, <laughs> and then they take up an offering, and they call it a miracle. Hello, and so it has somewhat whitewashed or downgraded the strength or the impact of miracles in bringing about conversions like it used to. Amen. But all I can tell you is that when somebody of this world watches you as a child of God and the devil drags you through a knothole backwards and you don't hardly know which end is up, but you stand there with your hands raised and your heart raised, praising Almighty God, brother, you can't fake that. And that will pack a wallop as a witness. 
And so it's therefore very strategically important right now that we as the church, corporate church, collective church, but especially as individual members of the church, live triumphant lives even in trying times. Are you saying you never have bad days, preacher? I'm saying I have some of them several in a row. <laughs> a whole lot of days, you know, I'm not looking to leap over a wall or run through any troops or uh, see too many people, <laughs> maybe. Hello, <laughs> hello. Just I'd like to just curl up in the fetal position and suck my thumb and keep the shades pulled down all day, but <clears throat> they won't write me a check if I do that. So, hello. <laughs> uh, are you saying you don't have troubles and trials? Sure we do. But Peter is saying, don't think it's strange. You just keep right shouting the victory, living a triumphant life, even in the middle of the mess. And that will be what this world needs to see. Amen? And that will, that, did you know you can mess the devil up doing that? You can get the devil so messed up that he'll have heartburn. <laughs> I mean, he, you, if you just keep on praising the Lord when tough times come, are y'all tracking with me? Now, now he, he, he is with it when, when something happens. You know, bad things do happen to good people. And when something bad happens, and we go, gloom, despair, agony on. I see some of you know that old hymn. <laughs> I mean, when we play right into that, he expects that. But what he don't expect is whenever he does his worst, and you just keep on praising God, then God makes all things work together for good. <laughs> It can get him so mixed up, he jumps on his own kind and tears her clothes all off of him. <laughs> Hello? So aren't you glad we are to live triumphant life? And this is not faking it till you make it, because it's already been made. I mean, you know, the devil has already had his head stomped on by Jesus on the cross of Calvary. And we're not trying to pedal our little old tricycle fast enough that we get up to a itty-bitty teeny-weeny victory one of these days. The book says we operate from victory that Jesus, that Jesus Christ already... Matter of fact, he says you're not only just a conqueror. You're not a garden variety conqueror. You're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. I used to wonder what all that meant until I heard about Muhammad Ali, who was, they tell me, was the first boxer who ever knocked somebody out and won a million dollars for it. I mean, I thought, well, I'd let somebody knock me out for a million dollars if I knew they wouldn't kill me. I mean, <laughs> but they say that he took the check, the million dollar check home to Mrs. Ali, and she cashed it and spent it all. He was a conqueror. She was more than a conqueror. <laughs> and I can tell you, dear friend, that on the cross of Calvary, Jesus conquered the devil, turned around on the day of Pentecost and gave us a high five. And he said, everything that I have achieved, I now transpose. Oh, I'm about to preach myself happy. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that we are to live triumphant lives as the church and as believers? even in trying times. I wish I could tell you it's going to get easier and better, but I would not be telling you what I believe to be the truth. I believe that Satan's going to mash harder, and we've got to even do it stronger and have revival and be committed, hello, 
to the, to the kingdom and our king like never before and live a triumphant life, even in trying times. <laughs> you said, well, preacher, that all sounds wonderful. I really like that. But how? <laughs> you know, tell me all this kind of stuff. How do you do that? Well, I'm glad Brother Pete took some time to give us a few uh, try this thing and see if this won't help you live a triumphant life in trying times. And so that's why we read verses 13 through the end of the chapter because I think there's some clues here. Now, am I standing up here telling you you'll never have some times when it seems like the devil's eating your lunch? No, I'm not telling you that, but I'm just telling you on balance, it is God's will for His church to show this world even in the worst of times, this is how God blesses His people. And so I think the first thing he says, if you're going to live a triumphant life as a collective church and as an individual, you're going to have to live as an effective worker. An effective worker. That's in verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Well, you know, that's kind of archaic language. We don't do much girting anymore. I guess unless you have horses, you might. I, I don't know, but... Girton is kind of an, an older word, gird up the loins of your mind. What he's meaning is, you know, I used to have, pastors, people used to ask me, don't you wish you lived back in the day when Jesus lived? And I usually say no, because I like central heat and air. Hello. And I also like refrigeration and ice cream. But, but mostly... Uh, back in Jesus' day, men had to wear long flowing robes. And I'm just not into long flowing robes, I can tell you that. It's, it's not that I'm confused about my masculinity. I've known all my life which bathroom to go to. I, I, I don't have any trouble with life. Like some seem to be having trouble with that today. But, but I'm just telling you, it's hard to do hardly anything with, with a long flowing robe, right? I mean, like haul a square bale of hay or shinny up a deer stand or ride a four-wheeler. I'm telling you, running a weed eater is murder with a long flowing robe. Because so, the deal is you got to roll that little puppy up and gird it so you can be. And so the mental picture here is that if you want to be a victorious child of God living triumphant lives in trying times, then you have yourself mentally and spiritually ready. You be prepared to be an effective worker for God because why should God bless you with something else when you're not even using what you've already been given? I'll tell you, it's high time we take it to the devil and push him back and not take up any more void that he can run in. And what he's saying is you've got to be ripped. Do y'all know what rip, raring, and ready means? I don't know whether y'all are an educated crowd or not, but I just thought I would <laughs> tell you what he is saying here. If you're going to have that victorious life, you've got to be rip, raring, and ready to do something for God and be doing something for God. I'm telling you, I, I was uh, the lead pastor or point person in ministry for 50 years pastoring and so forth and I've observed people for a long time and you know the people who have the most trouble living for God are the people that are the people that wouldn't give a dime to see an ant eat a bale of hay to God <laughs> or they wouldn't lift a load or they wouldn't pray a prayer or they would they just want to sit back and take pot chops and everybody else is trying to do something oh boy I just said something real good right then I you missed a chance to say amen so I'm gonna give you a chance to 
catch up. Oh, amen. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, if you really want to have that victorious life, you just do whatever God calls you to do. Because he is not going to call you to do something he doesn't equip you to do. And if everybody does what they're called to do, then nobody gets burnout. What if everybody... I mean, and just, just do it. Is that some tennis shoe thing? Or, yeah, do it. I'm not all that worldly, so I don't know about... <laughs> I'm just telling you, one of the worst... No, let me rephrase that. One of the best tools Satan is using right today on God's people is, well, why try? Everything is so against us. Everything is so piling up. I don't know about you, but I think you ought to do whatever you can do for God and give it all you got. You ought to do the best you can with what you got, where you are at the time, and just keep on doing it. If I was a dirt dabber, I'd want to dab every dab of dirt I could dab or dab or whatever. Hello, amen. <laughs> I tell you, it's, it's, it's way past time that God's people just say, well, stick a little bubble gum on it and hope it holds till the rapture. No, it's time for us to get down to business and be a worker for the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And if you really want to be a victorious Christian with triumphant living in trying times, you just do whatever God calls you to do and you be faithful and you be loyal. And you be committed, <laughs> we was pastoring in, well, we was keeping them from getting a real pastor, <laughs> in uh, Malvern, I, I was just about 25, 30 years old back then. Believe it or not, I was young one time. Crust of the earth was still cooling, but I was young one time. <laughs> and we had a lady that came to church named Emma Sullivan, and she'd sit kind of right in here, and she couldn't hear it thunder. She probably couldn't even see it lightning. <laughs> and so, but she came to church every time the door was open. She rode the van, church van, and she'd come and sit down and promptly go to sleep and sleep through the whole service. She really trusted her pastor that I was not going to preach any false doctrine. She, she just really had a lot of trust in me. So one day I was walking out kind of by there and one of those other ladies who wasn't really maybe in the spirit like she should have been said, Emmer, that's what they called her, said, Emmer, I don't even know why you bother to come to church. You can't hear and you can't see and all you do is sleep when you get here. And I mean like a nanosecond. She didn't even pray about it. She just said, I just want to show the devil whose side I'm on. Well, glory! Thank God you showed up tonight and you showed the devil whose side you're on. How many of you believe that if you're going to live a triumphant life, you need to be doing whatever God's called you to do and doing the very best you can do? Just, just give the devil fits. Make him worried about what you're going to do next. Amen. I, I mean, he tries to make me worry enough. I think it's time for me to make him worry a little bit. I pray in the, I pray y'all just get so full of the fire of the Holy Ghost that when y'all wake up in the morning and you say, my God, that believer's church, they're awake. <laughs> Run hide. <laughs> Secondly, he says, not only as an effective worker, but as an ethical child. He says in verses 14 through 16, as obedient children, holy. So if you're going to live a triumphant life, in trying times, 
you've got to keep right in the front of your frontal lobe. You've got to keep a real cognizant consciousness. Let me just say it this way. You've got to keep it on your mind all the time. I am a child of God. Amen? Because that's, that's, that's one of the biggest devils. I mean, that's his double whammy. He tried to work that on our Lord from the get-go to the end up. Right? I mean, he didn't get right in his face and say, you're not the Son of God. He knew better than that. What he did do was just put a little seed of doubt. If thou be a child of God. I know how the devil works on you. I, I have to look at this mug in the mirror every morning and sometimes I'm very disappointed about some of the things I do or don't do. Hello? Y'all tracking with me there now? Now I know y'all are all high highfalutin Christians, but I still have... <laughs> I still have a little problem with it sometimes. Hello. And I know I'm saved. I mean, I'm not worried about that. Hello. I'm not getting saved, saved, or savedest and, and being paid out on the installment plan. I'm saved. But every once in a while, I have a little trouble with that uh, sanctification stuff, you know. Hello. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. <laughs> I'm having a good time. I hope, I hope you are. And, and, and if you're waiting on it to get any better, I'm doing the best I can do right now. So it ain't going to get no better, honey. I, tell you, I was having one of them days, one day, Pastor, I woke up and, man, I had a victory. And I was driving, you know, Little Rock every day. And I'd had my prayer time. I pray before I get out of bed. <laughs> I don't even get out of bed without praying. And had some, some Gaither time and some spiritual time. And, man, I was revved up and ready. I mean, I was, come on, devil. I'm going to eject your jaw. I mean, whatever. And I was making it liggity split on the way to Little Rock until I stopped by Walmart. And I don't know, friends, whether the person couldn't read or couldn't count. But this was back when they actually had checkers. And, 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 and it said 20 items or less. Woman, don't you know how important I am and how busy I am? And how... I shouldn't have said woman. <laughs> now, now, I didn't say anything loud enough for her to hear me. <laughs> but when I got in the car, the Holy Ghost said, you ain't near sanctified as you thought you were, are you? <laughs> Hello. How I many of you know that we have to live every day if we're going to live triumphant lives and trying times realizing I am a child of God regardless of what the devil accuses me of or lies on me about? Oh, thank God. I'm glad he's got me covered, don't you? I mean, now I just wish, I guess... The best way would just be get saved and drop dead right then. I don't know, but, but I, like, I like living. And so I want to go on having an opportunity to sin some. I don't want to sin, but I want the opportunity to. Hello? <laughs> but, hello? Are y'all tracking with me here? I mean, <laughs> because, because I, you know, new stuff comes up all the time. And I have to realize, listen, I'm still a child of God. Amen. And, and he's got me covered. I, I don't know whether I'm getting across or not. I, back when I was young, you know, I was telling you back then, and <laughs> dinosaurs still roaming the earth, but they had, they had a, we had this problem. Judy and I had this problem. We, we set up a checking account. We didn't have any money, <laughs> but we set up a checking account when we got married. And, you know, these young people today, they don't even write checks. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't, know, is it, I don't know whether it's cursive. They can't cursive or what, but anyway... <laughs> 
<laughs> but anyway, we, we set up a we set up a, a bank account, and I was going to be the comptroller, and I was going to take care of the bank account. <laughs> Bad idea. Because I'm the pastor of the church, First Assembly of God. I'm in Arkansas. And this bank called me. And they were on to me. And I said, finally, I said, well, look, uh, if, if, if y'all's bank can't keep sufficient funds down there, I'll just change banks. That's all. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and the, so the, the good thing about it was, the president of the bank was one of my deacons. <laughs> and so now, that, we're talking 50 years ago now. So he called me and he said, Preacher, what are we going to do for you? We're going to take one of your checks and we're going to deposit it in a little account over here <laughs> where you don't even know you got it. <laughs> so, so that when you send us one of them rubberized checks, we got you covered down here. Hello. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but the old devil walks up to my father every once in a while and he says, Father, look at old Moore. That sapsucker can't get two victories back to back. But I got somebody called Jesus Christ, my elder brother, who stands up in the presence of God and says, I got him covered. <laughs> I got somebody ought to shout a little bit right there. How many of you know he will take care of you? And if you don't keep it in your mind that I am a child of God, I belong to God. And I don't care how bad the devil makes it get here, God's going to take care of me. Because he's my father. Amen? I'm, I'm serious. You can mess with me. A lot of people have messed with me. <laughs> Over the years, they, some people, I, I, I just don't understand, but they, some people just don't like me. <laughs> and you can mess with me, but you better not mess with my kids or grandkids. I'll jack your jaw in Jesus' name. <laughs> and in love, of course. <laughs> Hello? So if you think I'm going to take care of my kid, you can just be sure my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills and I don't believe he's going to have to mortgage any of them to take care of his people from here until the rapture. And when it gets so bad down here, he can't take care of us here. He's got a real thing up his sleeve. <laughs> well, I better hurry on because I see some of y'all already started moving toward the conclusion. And, uh, and I've been at this long enough. Uh, long enough to know it helps if we all get through at the same time. It really does. <laughs> he said, I want you to know you're going to have to live as an effective worker doing something for God. As long as you're doing something for God, He's going to give you the victory. As long as you understand you're His child and you don't bring shame to the family name, He's going to give you the victory. And then number three, He mentions in verses 19 and I think 18, 17 and 18, You've got to live as an enlightened pilgrim. He said we're a sojourner here, and we know some things that people who aren't a citizen of the kingdom of heaven don't know. How many of you believe Christians know some things about the future that this world does not know? You even need to know some things about right now that they don't know. So what he says is you've got to get this mentality twisted up in there real tight. <laughs> I'm just passing through this place. Say that again. I'm just passing through this place. This world is not my home. And I don't want the devil to let any of it get such a grip on me that I'm trying to serve God and mammon simultaneously because it's a no-brainer. You can't do it. 
You got to keep this world in its right place. Sure, you got to have groceries. I mean, everybody needs fried taters now and then. I understand that. But we can't get that mixed up. You got to understand I'm just a sojourner down here and I know a few things. <laughs> I know how this thing ends. Back when I was young, I went to school. They had school when I was young. And <laughs> I went to school and, and uh, uh, we, we had teachers that made us do, uh, it, it ruined me. <laughs> they made us do oral book reports. Horrible. Any teacher that would make somebody have to do an oral book report ought to be hung up by their toes until all the blood runs to their head. I, I'm, I'm kidding you, I'm kidding you. <laughs> but what, don't any of you young people try this at home, but what I found out was you could read a little dab in the front and read a little dab in the back and make up a report because the teacher probably had never read the book either. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I'm having a good time. I just wish you would. <laughs> well, why don't you just take some good time right now and just rub it on you a little bit? Just, just <laughs> because what I learned is every time when I get in some real serious trouble, I just turn over to the back of this book and check out how the final page ends up. And guess what? <laughs> You're ahead of me, aren't you? This is a fast crowd, <laughs> and I'm a slow preacher, but I'm worth waiting on. You just hang in there. How many of you know we win? How many of you know in your knower we win? I'm telling you, when you get saved, how many of you know you, when you got saved, first thing is you got your want-to fixed. And I needed a lot of want-to fixing. <laughs> but then I ended up with more want-to than I had can-do. So I got under the spot where the Holy Ghost came out and I got a dose of the Holy Ghost and got some can-do and I've been looking at the how-to ever since. And so when you got the want-to and the can-do and the how-to, the devil can't win and the child of God can't lose and we're going to win. I said, we're going to win. And I've got to live my life realizing that in the end, I'm a winner. I used to have a friend, one friend. <laughs> I used to have a friend who was a... Uh, how would you say it? He was a rabid, raging, round ball, razorback fanatic. He was a fanatic. I'm talking about into it. So bad that when they lost, he got sick. It made him sick. Or mad. Or both. I'm, I don't talk turning pale. I'm saying, I'm chucking sick sometimes nearly. And I walked in on... You know, and he had, he also had one of these fa first fancy TVs I ever saw that had not only just a screen, but it had stuff, you know, up here and, and, and another little screen over here and stuff going across the bottom. And if you had dyslexia, it was horrible. I, it was, but it was the first one I'd ever seen that had the game going on and it had the score up there. And we're, the Razorbacks are 15 points down. And he stretched out across his easy boy, as cool as a cucumber, or what, however cool they are, and, and wasn't upset at all. And I called his name and I said, what the world is up with this? We're 15 points down. He said, this is a rerun. I don't already know. Honey, you may be 15 points down right now, but this is just a rerun and I guarantee you Somebody say praise the Lord. That we got to keep it in our mind. Regardless of how much it seems like the devil is piling on right now. 
He does not come out the ultimate winner. And then he said you need to live like an emancipated slave. Wow, where do you get that? He says redeem, verses 18 through 20. If I lived with my conscious mind aware that I'm just a slave that got redeemed by the grace of God, then everything's gravy. Hello? I don't know about you, dear friend, but I'm plumb, and plumb is closer than near. I am plumb grateful that I did not get what I deserved. And that every day I don't get what I deserve. I got and I get. I get the amazing grace of God. So if you can keep that in your mind, it really does help. Like this one lady who got, got, a, got some portraits made. You know, now portraits are different than pictures. You get pictures developed at Walmart. Portraits, you get proofs, you know. So she got her proofs. And she was very vexed at the photographer. She called him up and said, Sir, these proofs just do not do me justice. He said, ma'am, you don't need justice. You need mercy. <laughs> Hello. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I didn't get justice. I'm glad I was a slave on the auction block and I was beheaded to hell. And Jesus walked in and said, I'll take care of that with my rich royal blood. That <laughs> I'll pay for it. Hello. Now, as long, you know what? That, that, that keeps you from being upset a whole lot. Because one of the things I see creeping its way into the church is this entitlement thing. Hello. God, you hadn't shot square with me. Sister Papoofany don't live near as close to you as I do, and look what she's got. Hello. It didn't go my way, and so I'm upset. Can I tell you, you'd be a whole lot upset, a whole upset a whole lot less if you just figure, well, look, look here. I was a slave on my way to hell, and Jesus bought me, and Jesus saved me, and Jesus has given me everything I have. I, I didn't bring anything into this world, and I'm not going to be able to take. Woo! And then you can just have the victory because the devil can't steal from you what God is. How many of you know that the devil cannot take away what you, what you won't give him? Amen? And then last but not least, I think you have to live with this consciousness. I'm going to be working for the Lord. It don't matter what anybody else does or not. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. I'm going to do what the Lord wants me to do. I'm going to be an effective worker. I'm going to be an enlightened pilgrim. I'm going to be an ethical child. I'm going to live like I'm just a redeemed slave. And everything I've got, is wonderful. And we have some pretty good stuff. You know? We've been on missions trips with your folks. And I, you may have been on some of them with us. I don't know. In third world countries. We was in Latin America. I think El Salvador one time. and We was up on this high hill. And it make your lungs hurt just to climb up there. And here's this little lady came out of their house. A house. It was about an 8 by 12 concrete block thing and all of them lived in there they cooked outside i mean she is skinnier in a minute and she put this big old jug on her head because it was a metal really the metal thing walked down that hill and got water at, at that barrier where you i mean you wouldn't want you wouldn't have had any of it anyway it was horrible and so every drop of water she had she had to carry back up that hill and i got to thinking my goodness 
at our house, Judy and I own a house, uh, the finance company, and Judy and I own a house, <laughs> and, and we've got little gizmo jobs in there that you can just walk right up to it and just lift that little dude up, and water comes running out right in our house. Good water. Don't even have to bottle it. What are you talking about? I'm talking about, thank God we got more than enough food. Some of you have been looking at me, and I've been looking at you too. And, and I don't think anybody here is suffering from Miss Emil Colic. I believe we've all had plenty to eat. I believe we got plenty to wear. I believe we got money to buy gasoline and so far we can pay the taxes. <laughs> I'm just telling you, we are blessed. But if we didn't have any of that, and we were on our flat of our back with dying with cancer, and we knew that our name was written in the Lamb's book of life, that's shouting ground for the child of God. So says the Word of God. So I'm going to live that way. And then last but not least, I'm going to live as an eternal soul with an awareness that the church is so vital because everybody is going to live or exist for eternity. Now, not everybody's going to live for eternity. He says in 23 and 25, born again of incorruptible seed by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So as a child of God, you're going to actually live forever and ever and ever and ever with the Lord. Now, do you really buy that? Or is that just Assemblies of God doctrine? Or is that in your heart? I know. I'm going to live with Him forever and ever. But there are others who are not born again with incorruptible seed. And they're going to exist. I mean, they're not going to just go into oblivion when they die. I don't know about you, but I believe there's only one of two ways to live here and one of two ways to leave here. There's a broad way, and you just naturally navigate onto that. You don't have to teach children to be mean or bad or steal cookies from the cookie jar. It is the Adamic curse that we naturally fall and succumb to. But there's another way, and it's called a narrow way. And the reason it's called narrow is because there's only one on-ramp. And His name is Jesus Christ. I hope you believe that. If you're Assemblies of God, you should believe that. That there's only one name by which you can become a child of God. And that on-ramp is Jesus. And it's the narrow way. But guess what, friend? The broad way don't stay broad. It narrows and narrows and narrows and narrows until you get down to the end and there's all that's left is a hole in the ground and a grave and an eternity without God. Now do we believe that? An eternity without God. If we do, then we can also believe the narrow way broadens and brightens and gets better Living for Jesus for me right now is better than it's ever been in my life. And I've been on the road a long time. So what are we saying we're here for revival for? What are we saying we're gathering up you know, our hearts and our faith 
in a focused, concerted effort to be a victorious child of God in a world that is so depressed. In a world that is so anxious. In a world that is so fearful. Just, just garden variety fear. I think, how many of y'all know this is a blessed nation? I mean, we waste more than the GNP is for some nations. We waste more than the gross national product of some nations. We're a blessed nation. We're a blessed nation. And yet in this blessed nation, the second leading cause of teenage death is suicide. Suicide because they have no hope. They have become apathetic. There is no promise. My friend, that ought not to be. The church has the answer to this world's problem. Can I tell you this in conclusion? I believe the gospel is the hope of the world. Not one of many. And you can put all that baloney out there if you want to, but all roads don't lead to God. Jesus is the only one that I know of, and I've studied comparative religions, and He's the only one who ever said, come unto me. He didn't say, come unto my teaching. He said, come unto me, and I will give you the rest. Can I tell you that the gospel is the hope of the world, and someday I hope, I, I know I'm preaching too long, but this is burning on my spirit. I hope our government understands that you can't just fix every problem by throwing some more money at it, especially money you don't even have. Huh. Can, can I tell you that? That's, I mean, and you can't even do that. You know, just, just how long do you think if we gave every breathing body on planet Earth a trillion dollars? We're way past billion. Give them a trillion dollars. How, how long would it take for us to be right back in the same soup we're in right now? Not long, because the problem of the human heart is a, uh, of the human being is a problem of the human heart. you got to fix the human being by fixing the human heart, and you're not going to do that with money or coercive laws or any other kind of gobbledygook. You're going to have to have the gospel change somebody's heart from the inside out, and guess what? We have the gospel, and it is so important that we live that gospel out. Would you stand with me? How many of you believe that the gospel is the hope of the world? Do you really believe that? How many of you believe the local church is the hope of the gospel? Now, I'm not leading you down a trap. How many of you believe this? You look in the mirror every morning at the hope of the local church. Thank God for pastors. They're God's gift to the church. But you're the church. Pastors will come and go. But you are the church. Hello? How many of you believe the gospel is the hope of the world? How many of you believe the local church is the hope of the gospel? How many of you believe you're the hope of this local church? Then I'd like for us to gather around the front and I'd like for us to say, Lord, I, if you do that kind of thing, y'all, if you will, please, let's gather. There's nothing mystical or magical, but let's gather close that we can mingle our faith and mix our courage and lift our prayers together and lift each other up. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost. Would you just take over right now and do what only the Holy Ghost can do? Human beings cannot move other human beings. Only the Holy Spirit can move another human being. And so would you right now move upon us? Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. I'd like for us right now together to refocus our mind. I'm not saying you aren't where you ought to be with God, but my Lord, dear friends, if this world ever needed the church to be triumphant and victorious and sharing our faith is right now. And so I prayed today. I prayed today. Now this is childish. This is elementary. It may even sound foolish. So if you don't want to do it, don't. But if you just hold out both your hands, palms up, I've asked God tonight to place something in your life tonight, right here around these altars, that you will be able this week to be the answer to somebody's prayer that God's going to give you some supernatural something right now, hallelujah, that you can be the answer to somebody's prayer this week. Father, in the name... In the name that is above every name, I pray that you cause us right now the temple. You said we are the temple of your Holy Spirit. You abide, you reside, you preside in our lives. We now make another double commitment. God, we double down. God, we double down on what we know we must be doing to be about the Father's business to see souls saved. I believe, Lord, that you right now are depositing a gift it may be somebody is going to come into some money they can share with someone else. It may be a card they can mail. It may be a smile they can share. It may be an encouraging word. It may be a gift of healing. It may be that they can lay hands on someone and see them healed or delivered. Oh God, I pray that you would put within us something that we can give each other and give to the world to see your kingdom come. And your will be done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you sense right now that the Holy Spirit is moving across, doing something, giving something? This is not one mortal giving another mortal something. This is Almighty God putting as in you a repository. Hallelujah. Something that the devil can't steal. How do you know but what this week you can save some teenager from a suicide? How do you know but what this week your influence can save somebody from taking their own life? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we sing that song you sang again a while ago? All my life you've been so faithful. All my life you've been so good. As pastor come to conclude that I've called, I just have called heaven down tonight to place something in our lives that we can place in somebody else's life in this coming week. Hallelujah.